Welcome to The Movement Movement, the podcast for people who want the truth about having a healthy, happy, strong body. Remember, your body was meant to move. Now here's your host, Stephen Sashen. Could running on a treadmill be bad for you? Well, you're going to find out that and much, much more on today's episode of The Movement Movement, the podcast for people who want to know the truth about how to have a, well, happy, healthy body uh, by getting rid of the mythology, the propaganda, sometimes the outright lies that you've heard about what it takes to run, to walk, to hike, or to do anything with natural movement. We're here trying to make a movement movement. We're trying to make natural movement the obvious, better, healthy choice the way natural food currently is. And I'm not going to give you all the stuff. You know you know what to do about subscribing and liking and sharing and hitting the bell. Just go to www.jointhemovementmovement.com to find out all the places you can interact with us. And if you want to be part of the tribe, please subscribe. So I'm here with my friend Jeff Vernon. Say hi, Jeff. Hey. I, I thought you were going to say hi, Jeff. Let's, let's try that again. Say hi, Jeff. Hi, Steve. <laughs> These people who have problems with authority. So, and Jeff, would you tell people who you are and what you do? This is like an episode of What's My Line, where we're going to do it with, the, with everyone else in a silent booth so they can't hear it. So I'm uh, one of the founders of True Form Runner. And we manufacture a curved non-motorized treadmill. Pause. I'm going to say those two words because, well, two and a half words, one word and then a hyphenated word, curved, non-motorized. Now, let me pause right there. In the intro, I said, could running on a treadmill be bad for you? Not these. We're going to talk more about that in a second. So, true form runner, curved, non-motorized treadmill. We'll say why that's something you're going to be interested in in a moment. So, we have a, a super shallow curve on our treadmill and what we found you know, five or plus years ago, in order to make the treadmill move effectively, you need to be in a good, healthy running position. So I'm going to pause there. A couple of weeks ago, I did a podcast episode with our friend, Mark Kukuzela. And I said to Mark, if you're going to teach someone how to run barefoot or with proper natural form, how would you do that? He goes, oh, it's really easy. We do it in our store. He runs a, has a store called Two River Treads in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. He said, I just put them on a true form treadmill for a few minutes because you can't run wrong on it. And then I say, just go replicate that when you're out in the real world. True, true, right? So you is could there, run wrong, is right? There, is so, there a so, well, you, you can run wrong, but it's hard. And if you're in a minimal shoe or barefoot, it's even harder to run wrong because, you know, you're already getting, you know, that perceptive feedback to be in the right position to begin with. Then when you put them on a true form, you know, so, so, I mean, it is possible, but, but it's, it's really hard. It's really hard. So yeah. speaking of which, if you're watching the video of this, I'm a little sweaty because right before we did this, I jumped on. There's two different versions of the true form that I jumped on to experiment with. And just, you know, in a few minutes, and it's also 85, 90 degrees out there. So I'm a little toasted. But let's back up and start with my initial. Oh, wait. You know, usually we love to start this podcast with a movement. And sometimes it's just a physical movement. Sometimes it's an internal movement. Sometimes it's a breathing thing. I asked you if you had something that you do or that you would want to have other people do and you had an idea. Uh, well, what I what I like to do or remind myself to do when I'm not doing it is to breathe through my nose down into my lower diaphragm. So why don't you do a quick little tutorial for human beings who are listening slash watching? So funny aside, <laughs> in order to drive a commercial truck across the country, which is what I do oftentimes as I've done here, you need to have a, uh, a DOT doctor exam, right? So did not know that. Yeah. So if it says, if you have the name on the side of your vehicle, even your Subaru, right? Yeah. If you, if you said zero shoes on the side and you were driving into a different state, you're engaged in commerce. 
Okay. You need to ha- you need to have this this DOT medical card. So they're trying to make sure you're not going to have a heart attack on the way, or I, I, I think so. So oh, so, so so I'm, I'm I'm getting my exam. Doctor, when's the last time you been to the doctor? I'm like I don't, I don't really go to a doctor. I'll, you know, well you're healthy, you should go to a doctor. Well, but if I'm healthy, why would I go to a doctor? So we went back and forth through all this, and then the best part is when she's having me breathe, she's yeah. like. Take a deep breath through your mouth, right? And I'm like, no, you can't breathe through your mouth, right? And it was like, it was, it was, it was just so the medical field, right? So I'm breathing through my nose, right? Filling my low, filling my dive. <laughs> she's like, breathe through your mouth, and I was like, but I can't get a deep breath that way. So anyway, so that's what I remind myself to do is to, is to breathe. Through my mouth so, or through my nose. So breathing through your nose and to get that deep breath, it's actually letting your diaphragm expand. Which So your diaphragm is a muscle that's normally shaped like this. And when you breathe, it can go like this. That's what pulls air into your body. And if you do that, it's going to make your your entire core, if you will, expand. So some people think of diaphragmatic breathing as just making your belly go out. But if you really do it well, you're getting your sides to go out, the back to go out. The whole thing is just expanding from here down as your diaphragm goes. So you just do it by just focusing on the breath through the nose, going all the way down. And, and then, then for me, fit just filling everything, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, just getting more and more air in. And it's so. interesting you say that because that's the other thing I've noticed. People who, especially people who've done a lot of yoga and they think about diaphragmatic breathing, they think that it's all down here and they forget that you can get the whole thing filling up your entire... I, I heard a comic today use a word that I've never used in a sentence describing my body, filling your entire thorax, <laughs> which I just loved. So just get that breath just in through your nose, fill up the entire thing, Relax, let it out. It's a good thing to remind yourself. Do you ever do like alternate nostril or any of the other variations? Or just, just no, I just remind myself when I'm not breathing to breathe. And and if you're looking at your watch, you can see your heart rate immediately go down, right? It's, do you know, it's an obvious benefit. Do you know about heart rate variability? Yes. That's my, one of my favorite things that I never knew was a thing when I would be like looking and watching my breathing and checking my heart rate and seeing that when I would breathe in, my heart rate would go up and then I'd breathe out, it would go down. Mm-hmm. And I thought there was something wrong with me until I found out that was an actual yeah. thing, that that's what's supposed to happen. And that if you don't have the heart rate variability, bad, bad sign. So, so the guys in our office are whoop geeks and they, so we, we do some training with some Navy SEALs and they do a lot with whoop. Whoop is a, is a, is a heart rate band that okay. you wear that tracks heart rate variability and recovery got it so that's their thing right and show you anything it's just data and got then it. it go you go to your app and it you know, to the app right so it's just a it's a so anyway so, so it's this whoop band and we found out about it because these guys that are that are navy seals when some of these guys special op guys sf guys they're going hard at work yeah. and then when they come back they go hard at home, and then <laughs> yes, and then they need to show up and be fit and recovered and and ready for their for their team. Right. And if if they came home, you know, for whatever period of time and didn't take care of themselves when when they're called again, they check to be an elite, yeah, yeah. essentially athlete, yeah, and incredibly keen and and their brain function high. If they haven't recovered, so what what you see with this whoop band. Is that you know if you have a couple drinks, right? Your recovery is half of what it what it would be. If you have fifteen drinks, there's zero recovery. You know your if body's you have fifteen drinks. Yeah, you're dead. Right. Well, I mean, not, you, people, well, that's that, people, size. people that practice, you know, but but it affects them. So yeah. so for them, it's a way for them to create a group that they can then hold each other accountable. Oh, that's interesting. When they're home to say, you know, how has your recovery been? How has your heart rate variability been? 
you know, in addition to, you know, something stupid like how many steps have you taken, right? We're right. not, not, they're less focused well, on that and more focused on, on, a, on a meaningful metric. There's so. a, a friend of mine who, this was, oh gosh, 10 years ago, maybe longer, who he developed a, it was like a neoprene vest that was doing the first real time biometric data sensing. So they were looking at heart rate variability. They were the first ones who could measure it in real time. And when they were just starting to do the experiments, they, one of the guys who was in the company, they put the vest on him and they noticed that he had like no variability at all. And they're going, this is not good. You should get to the doctor like right now. And he gets to the doctor and as he gets there, he's got like a massive heart attack. Huh. My other favorite story from these guys, they had a, one of these vests on a Formula One driver. And they're just looking at the monitor. They're looking at the computer and seeing all the stats on his breath and his heart rate and all these other things. And then suddenly, like, his breathing and his heart rate just dropped by about 50%, just like, boo! And they're tapping the machine. They're checking all the connections. They couldn't figure out what's going on. Then they look out. They see his car going, boom, 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 just end over end. Just got into a massive crash. And while he was rolling the car, everything just calmed wow. down. And afterwards, that's he said, yeah, well, there's nothing I could do. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, just oh relax. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So back to treadmill things. Yeah. So my initial like, kind of intro to the thing, treadmills being bad for you. Talk about, I'm gonna, there's so many things I want to ask you, but just talk about standard treadmills and why they're not what people think they are. Oh, such a slippery slope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tell, me about, tell me about healthy shoes, right? I can, <laughs> no, dude, hold on, hold on. So wait, I was, I was in Germany just recently, and I'm on all these panel discussions, and at a certain point it hit me. It's like, I'm, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to tell yeah. the truth. I'm here to get people to have an experience that's beneficial for them. I don't care if the owners and the CEOs and the marketing guys from these billion-dollar companies don't like me. That's not my issue. Yeah. So I'm going to encourage you. I, look, you have an, enough issues with authority as it is yeah. to bucket this time so you can be as politically so, correct as you want but just let's talk about yeah, normal treadmills. so yeah so here's the here's the the long and short of it right so you got you got on those two tre the, the two treadmills that we have outside yep. right you ran exactly the same on both of them yep the problem is is that you're a balanced highly accomplished runner and i don't mean that you're fast or you were fast or you are fast now and what you're able to accomplish there, I mean that your mechanics are super Consistent. clean, right? So you know the, the the you know probably the honest side of this is I could put you on any environment, and you'd get in there and you would run pretty well. But right? when I'm on a regular treadmill, I don't even know how to describe how or why it is completely unsatisfying. Well, it's a weird sensation. I got on a, a regular treadmill, you know, David Brennan down in uh, in Tulsa. I don't. You know everybody. Yeah. So he knows everybody. So, so anyway, we got on. I got on a treadmill to Sorry, do. To at do some his point, protocol. I'm expecting. I'm expecting Jeff to say to me something like, "You know, Obama, like, you know, President." <laughs> I was hanging out with him the other. I got him a treadmill, and you know, he really like Michelle. Not uh, as much. I mean, she went for the other one. I mean, seriously, I'm, people accuse me of knowing a lot of people, and the number of times you say, "Do you know so and so?" and it's some very big deal, dude. I'm like. <laughs> I was talking just, to somebody. I don't remember. Oh, I know who it was. It was a guy. They just put. I was talking with a guy, and I kept going, "Well, you know, you know, you know, you know." Yeah. And apparently, he was like jotting that we were. It was a, it was a phone conference, and <laughs> we were feeling we were feeling each other out like whether we wanted to do business together. Yeah, and it was for live on demand programming, right? So we're creating live on demand programming. So he, I guess, he's jotting these names down. I have no idea. Like, I, he's just going yeah on the other end, yeah on the other right. end. And he thinks I'm like full of shit. And like, who are these people, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess he Googled them. And then when we, when we met him in person, he was like, holy shit. He's like, I didn't realize. I'm like, I, like the, t the tip of the spear for us yeah. is insane. It's getting, it's getting everybody else to come along. So anyway, anyway, I got on this motorized treadmill doing this protocol. 
that David Brennan had created where you ran on a true form, ran a motorized treadmill, ran a true form, ran a motorized treadmill. And I hadn't run a motorized treadmill in years at that point, and right. I got on it. It was such a foreign concept. And I'm like, why would anybody run on this thing? It feels so weird. Well, what's interesting to me, someone did a study recently on the kinematics of treadmill running, basically how your body is moving, what the angles are when you're landing, what the angles are when you're taking off, just basically what your body's doing on a treadmill. And they very proudly, for some reason, showed that your basic movement pattern is the same. So remarkably, uh, if you're picking up a foot and setting it down, right. you're going to have a similar movement. Yeah, similar pattern. movement. But of course, they didn't go in. They didn't use an EMG electromyograph to measure what the muscles are actually doing, which is a whole different story. I mean, the number of people that I know, pardon me, who in the winter they'll be on a treadmill and they feel like they're doing great, and then the weather gets good and they go outside and they can't make it a hundred yards. And they hurt their knee. Yeah, right? I mean, like, hurt, they hear that from people all the time. I hurt my knee. Work. As soon as they go outside, yeah. I hurt my knee. Right. So, yeah. Or I come inside and I hurt my knee. Well, and there's another one that I that I've seen recently. Someone sent me some pictures of his shoe, and the wear patterns on his shoe and on the insole in the shoe were crazy. I mean, just the amount of well, I said to him, look, the only way you get abrasion, the only way you get wear patterns like that is with friction, which comes from horizontal force. Because if you just put something down and lift it back up again, that's not a big right. deal. So what are you doing? That's creating all that force. He uh, said, well, all I do is treadmill running. And I went, oh, Jesus. Yeah, so yeah. that's what's happening. You're putting your foot down in a way that you're able to run on a treadmill. But clearly, it's not good for you. Because look at how much friction, how much excessive force so, you're putting. So what, what, what we say is there, there's a continuum, right? There's a continuum between a motorized treadmill and various qualities therein. Right. All the way up until, I think, the true form at the other end. Right. And along that continuum... People are enabled. Sorry, I'm showing it over here. I'm on the continuum. So, so way over here. Way over here. It's a continuum. So, along that continuum, people are enabled to operate in dysfunction. So, you can be as dysfunctional as you want, but still able to and still able it. to move until you break on a motorized treadmill. Right. Likewise. On the road. Right. And then there are non-motorized treadmills that are way steeper curved than what we have. Right. Same thing. Like you're enabled to move in a way that's, in, not, ideal. In a way that's not ideal. And then the true form challenges you as the, the environment that we know today to be the one that is most challenging to move well. So I'm, I'm reminded when you say that I've, I've, I'm, I'm amazed when I meet runners who hear about what proper form is supposed to look like. And they've taken little bits of that and applied them in ways that I would have never in my wildest dreams imagined. So my favorite version of this is people who hear that you're supposed to land on your forefoot. And so they'll still overstride. They'll reach out with their foot way in front of their body and then point their toes and land on their forefoot. And it looks like prancing. And so some of them have started and it looks like prancing. But then they figured out a way to make it not look like prancing because they also hear that it's supposed to be putting less force in your joints if you're running barefoot or in a truly minimalist shoe. And so what they end up doing is running in a way that looks kind of like Groucho Marx walking really fast. <laughs> so they bend their knees a whole bunch and it's just this really surprising movement pattern that they're able to do and it accomplishes something for them, but it's certainly not running. So let's talk about, before we actually get into talking about how running on a curved treadmill feels and why it works, because I, I do want to do that and talk about my experience as well. How the hell did you get into this? How did this happen? Who are you? What are you doing here? Well, so, yeah. 
Did my I wife, stump, Robin, I and I were with yeah, just trying to figure out how to, how to get it done in 20 <laughs> minutes, right? So, so with my, with my wife, Robin, and I like to kite surf in the Dominican Republic. So we wanted to do something. I oh, was well, that's run- all you need to say. I can see the clear line. I, I, was, I, was, I was running a brick-and-mortar business, and she had a company, has a company. Oh, please tell me you were actually selling bricks and mortar. No, oh, I, was, I, was, uh, I was running a winery, and I put a French bistro in at the winery, which oh, is cool. pretty cool. And it was a really cool job a gig was for somebody else which i'm not accustomed to doing and it was brick and mortar like i had right. in order for it to be as successful as it could be i needed to be there right. so so we wanted to kite surf more in the dominican so i was looking for things that i could do her her job as a, a media production company advertising company is already portable go do a shoot go somewhere edit it you know send it over to upload it to the customer right anyway met a guy through a guy who manufactured a prismatic skylight system. So you cut a hole in a roof, right? You capture the light. You, oh, you, you, oh, you, oh, you those diffuse are super it. cool. Yeah, super cool, yeah. right? Electricity is expensive in the Dominican. Sunlight is abundant. Manufacturing flat roofs is also abundant. Right. You know, find a way to get that done, right? So I was walking through his plant. And By the way, I'm hoping my microphone doesn't pick up every time you hit the table. It, it probably does. Right. I'm a <laughs> table pounder. So, <laughs> okay. Anyway. So, uh, just realized that. So, um, we're walking through his plant, and and I was a a five finger convert at that point, right? So, so well, let me pause there. So, what what yours is? Oh my god! What are we in now? Nineteen? Uh, yes, that was thirteen. Okay. Oh, so early thirteen. All right. Interesting. So a little late in the game. I mean, the minimalist thing kind of kicked in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Yep. So and why? How had you gotten into five fingers? What was well, going so on? Well, so I have an ankle from an accident, a couple accidents, an accident as a child, and then an accident in my twenties, and the second accident pretty much eliminated the function in my ankle. So it has ten degrees of dorsiflexion, and that's it. Got it. So I tried everything, right? I tried boots. I tried ankle braces. I tried Scarpa, you know, you know, with an ankle oh, brace. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. just because, because the thing to do was to immobilize it, right? right. And then rice it, right? You know, so, and, um, so immobilize it during the day and rice it at night. And, you know, and after, you know, after. Sorry I, for people who don't know, rice, rest, ice, compression, elevation. Right. Rice. So compress it, compress it all day right. and immobilize. Right. And then, because that's going to because yeah, because that's Clearly. what the doctors told me to do. Yeah. And the, and, yeah. the, and the solution was at the end of that is is you know it, when the pain gets to be too much, we'll just fuse it, and then you won't have any pain. <laughs> so, like it doesn't make any sense to me. So so anyway, you know, somewhere along the way, I, I think it was like a runner's world. I read like an excerpt of Born to Run or something and right. about having function and allowing function in your foot. And it just that was probably in two thousand nine. You know right. so. I, you know, I, I thought, well, geez, that kind of makes sense. I should try it. I tried it and expecting that I would get, you know, an hour into it and my ankle, which was typically about the size of a cantaloupe, would be, you know, the size of like a watermelon. Right. And and I got a couple hours into it and felt good. Lo and behold, my ankle was actually smaller. It hurt less. And I was, and I like, I didn't make a ton of sense to me at that point, but I, I didn't really care. Right. So then I, I moved. So at the time I was, I don't know, I was, I was playing rugby. I was, doing some strongman stuff. I was crossfitting. I would do, you know, Ragnars or Spartan mm-hmm. races or whatever, just to make sure that I kept some cardio in the deck. So I, I, I got a pair of Nike freeze and that was my transit. Now my transition, transition. shoe, I didn't know but that. Yeah, right. So, but you know, no one did because when the free yeah. came out, the, the articulation in that sole was miraculous. Granted, you know, it had a high heel and massive flare and all those other problems, but just to be able to feel more. I remember because mm-hmm. I got a pair in maybe 2000, 
six, maybe even okay. a little sooner. And but just walking around and feeling the ground more was amazing. <laughs> if I put on a pair now, then my knees blow out because of all that heel lift. Yeah, and all the rest. Wet, but, yeah. yeah, but but as the first product that was designed to give you some simulation of natural movement. It was a it was a, a gateway drug for many of us. So so I ended up doing my transition really well. I, yeah. I, I wore five fingers as my you know casual shoe and I ran and trained in my Nike freeze. And right. then I went to do a Ragnar and I thought oh, I'll do it all in my five fingers and I started running my first leg and I was like, okay, this isn't gonna happen. I'm not ready for this, right? You know, so I need to be in my in my Nikes again. And then I was the guy who was just like you said, you know, I'm like run on your toes, run on because I was an expert because I now have a pair of, of five fingers, right? So, so <laughs> yeah. run on your toes, run on yeah. your toes. So Don't let your heel touch the ground. So well, I mean, it, you can't you can't not let your heel touch the ground at 270 pounds, right? I mean, that that you, that, that, you don't take many steps there, right? So, <laughs> so as a result, because I'm 270 and because I forced myself to run some miles and because I moved to a minimal shoe because my ankle didn't hurt, I ended up running pretty well. And and I, you know, I think it's like if you're a smaller guy and you lift a lot of weight, what'd you point at me for? Well, I'm just you know, some somebody <laughs> if somebody was smaller. So if you're going to lift a lot of weight, you have to lift it well. Well, right. the inverse is kind of true also. If you're, you know, if you're 270, 275, and you want to go run, and you have an ankle that doesn't bend, you better do it well, or you're not going to yeah. run very far before something breaks up the chain. So anyway, so. We're walking through this guy's plant with prismatic skylights. The guts of the treadmill are on the that floor. That was good how you brought it back. Thank you. And I, and I got on it and I ran on it. I said, holy shit, like I can't run on a treadmill. When I run on a treadmill in the gym, literally everybody <laughs> in the gym, <laughs> especially my right side, everybody <laughs> in the gym, they all, they all turn out like, what the fuck is going on back there, right? So, <laughs> so, so the treadmill starts you know, like walking and pounding. It looks like I'm beating out on this treadmill. And I'm like, all right, so I just get off the treadmill. Screws are flying. <laughs> and I got on this thing. I was like, wow, this is really smooth. This is cool. And then this other girl got on. She was running like the Hartford Half Marathon in two weeks. And she was a runner, you know, big, stupid, clunky, heavy heel, you know, drop shoes. She gets on. Her arms are out front of her. And she's running. And, and she's two steps standing at the back. She bends over, starts running, gets it going again. Two steps, stands at the back. And, I, you know, like, run on your toes. <laughs> So anyway, I said I said to the guy who's now our, our good friend Brian, who you know manufactured the treadmill. I said, dude, you know you should train running. You know I I you know I come to think of it, right? You know if I if I go to if I go to CrossFit or I go to Strongman or I go you know to rugby, all I'm doing is I'm training these simple movements, training these right. simple movements. Nobody's ever telling me to do this when I'm running, right? If they say, you know, go run a mile, come back in. Or, you know, you, you, you know, if you screwed something up in rugby, go run, do a lap around the field, right? right? It, it's, it, it was nothing about function. This is, well, this is one of the things that's so incredible. People think, because look, running is natural. Running is what we do. You see kids, as soon as they can walk, they start to run practically. And if you don't get in the way of them, then they've got awesome form. They get That's their feet right underneath there. their body. They, they're using, you know, just the right amount of energy. I like to say, when you watch kids run, they get this weird look on their face that most adults don't have. I think it's called smiling. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's what it's called. And. But, you know, if you're going to do it and do it, well, especially if you then put on big, thick shoes and you develop bad habits, people, for some reason, just don't think that you need to learn to run well or that there's, you know, little things you can do. It's kind of like writing. Everyone assumes they know how to write because they had to write a paper when they were mm -hmm. in elementary school or something. But if to write well is a very different skill. So anyway, same thing with running. So you had a great experience on this treadmill. 
I, I said, you know, dude, you should train running. Yeah. And I said, I don't think anybody trains running. And so we went to literally like in a, a couple of weeks later, the, the trade show that happens in the United Ursa happened. Oh. It's a, it's, it's, it's an equipment trade show. Nothing's changed there in 30 years outside of our treadmill. So. <laughs> Hey, that's not true. Kettlebells. Uh, kettle- <laughs> kettlebells weren't there until about 15 years ago. Really? Kettlebells. I met the guy who brought kettlebells to America. This is maybe... So is a Russian? Well, he worked with a Russian guy. Okay. But he's a, he was like a Tai Chi, Yoga, Qigong guy. And then he met Pavel Satsulin, who was doing kettlebells. And mm-hmm. went, uh, you don't know how to sell this. I know how to sell things. And I remember being at an internet marketing event. It's got to be like 20 years ago. Wow. And uh, they had kettlebells. And people were going, ooh, what the hell are these? Yeah. And so so that's a new thing. And then then there's all uh, – God, there's tons of stuff that's like all goofy, dorky things that don't really work. But that's all – Well, there's a bunch of bullshit stuff. Yes. Well, so, yeah. But anyway. But so, good stuff. Yeah. So anyway, so, so I said – you know, I, I don't know. So we walked, we walked the trade. We, we literally flew to Vegas. Another story. Left my wallet. And it was so. It stayed in Vegas. No, it didn't make it to Vegas. So we're on the way to the trade show, right? <laughs> so my thumping ran. I'm like, I'm at the dashboard. I'm like, boom. And like, fuck. Right? So, oh, no. And so, so, and so he flies to Vegas. I wait. So it was oh, just geez. a very typical. If you've ever traveled with me, that's typical. So anyway, eventually. Sorry. His wife is sitting over there and nodding vigorously. <laughs> So we get to Vegas, we do walk the trade show together, and there is nothing there, right? right? And I'm and I'm like, oh my god! Like so, so we we started this business, right, with Rob, with Robin, and uh, and and thought that this is going to be simple. I'm sure same thing with you and your shoes, right? Like people are, oh, the, this is so obvious. Everybody's yeah, getting yeah, it, right? How yeah. how cool is this? No, my my line is we uttered the five dangerous entrepreneurial words. How hard could this be? Yeah, well, and so so it was super easy, right? Yeah. So it's. <laughs> Yeah. So Brian has the product. Robin has the media company, right? I'm going to figure out how to meet people, right? Right. We're going to spread the good word. You know, the first year, you know, Spartan Race, CrossFit. You know, we're we're engaged with everybody. This is going to be so simple. And then the like the big industry takes over, right? And they're like, you're not, you know, and you must have this in the shoe world, right? You're not going to do this. This is. Hey, oh. you know, you sit down. Oh, we had and and get and get out, right? So the lawsuits lawsuits start rolling uh-huh. in. And then you know, and then the, and then the, then the people and the copycats, and then the people that yeah. the people that backdoor your relationships and all this shit, right? So yeah. that so that, that I don't know. So, oh, no, no, so we, here we are coming out the backside, but it's but it's been an interesting five years. Uh, FYI, we had um, we well we've been told we, we we haven't seen the actual smoking gun, but we've seen the smoke that there, we had a big order in with a major retailer and one of our competitors called somewhat coincidentally at the last minute and said, yeah, we don't want them in your store. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's the way this works. I did not know that. All right, yeah, so well, yeah, as mean or, or that. Or, so, so anyway, so we walked this trade show. Nothing was there. Yeah. Oh, so we we decided our mutual friend Brian Roberts, my college friend, you know, he had wore the you know the crazy correctos and you right. know these minimal shoes and all before you know, and he would introduce them to me, and I thought he was a kook with that stuff. <laughs> and like, like now, if you go in my 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 the, you know the side of my door, correctos when I'm driving, I jam them in, right? So. Right. Anyway, have so you, have you apologized to Brian? Yeah, uh, probably. <laughs> Brian, I'm really sorry. So, <laughs> so anyway, Brian's coming to town to ride. It's, Brian's going between New York and Boston. We live between New York and Boston, and at exactly the same time. And I called him about the treadmill, and I said, uh, you know, hey, this treadmill blah, blah, blah. And he said, I'm riding with reps between New York between New York and Boston, and I'm and I and I'm, I have a layover, and I'd like to come see you. Can I come see you? I said, sure. And I said, I want to show you the treadmill. So I grabbed the treadmill from the shop, threw it in my kitchen, 
And Brian ran on it. And I said, well, I'm right, right? You know, <laughs> that's the only option for me. <laughs> yeah. If I ask you a question, I already know the answer. <laughs> and, so, and look, it's not arrogant if you're right. If you're right, you're right. So yeah. I said, I'm right, right? And he said, he said, well, you know, shoe industry, you know, can't really make those claims, but an expert maybe could. And I said, well, who's an expert? Tell me an expert. And he's like, you know, there's a guy, right? And, uh, and he is, you know, all-knowing when it comes to minimal shoes and healthy running and natural running. You know, I could, you know, and I'm like, well, who, who, like, do I have to go to Oregon? How do I find this guy? He's like, no, he's in West Virginia. <laughs> West Virginia, right? So <laughs> he says, do you want me to email him? I said, oh, my God, you know, you know, you know, you know this guy. So, so uh, anyway, we took a video, cell phone video of Brian running in, in my kitchen and emailed it to Dr. Mark. And he said, you know, I'd love to. You know, I, Brian sent him an email, you know, better mousetrap, question mark. And, right. and Mark replied back and said, I'd love to see it. You know, I, I'm at the hospital on Monday and Tuesday. I'm free Wednesday, Thursday. Then, I, you know, I've got a, you know, Leo has a soccer game and then I'm running a marathon. And then, uh, you know, I'm back and I'm writing a book and I'm going to be at the, at the store. And right. so if you could come Wednesday or Thursday, I'm free. So we threw the treadmill in the back of my truck. We drove down to, to see Mark. We got into the store that afternoon. We set it up. He got on it and he's like, Oh, well, this is like, this is, this is amazing. Oh my God, this is amazing. And we said, Yeah, it's great, except for that nobody can run on it. Right. So like, what do we do? He's like, Oh, it's easy. Just do my one, two, three run. And like, what's the one, two, three run? So, you know, chest up, you know, reach up, covered, you know, head in a neutral position, you know, start off walking, go to a jog and. We said, wow, you know, like maybe we could, you know, he's like, you know, do you want to film? We could film it if you want, right? I just wrote a thing for the Air Force and we could just do the Air Force thing. We'll do it on your treadmill. And so the next day we came in, Robin broke out her video gear and we set up in the store and we shot our first eight running training videos with, with Dr. Mark. And that, and that, and literally that's how the company was born. So let's fast forward to, hey, how about to now? So... Let's talk about actually using it and backing up to something that you said before of that other, that woman who was there in Brian's place and just getting on the treadmill and like finding yourself flying off the back. Not flying off the back like in those YouTube videos you'll no, see. Stand, where someone, standing at the back. Yeah, yeah standing yeah. at the back. So uh, let me, I'm going to describe my experience with, with the curved treadmill. It's not a huge curve. It's not like big bowl. Do you have the math on what the curve is? I do. Can you tell me? No. Damn it. Not right. on them. We hang okay. up, right? Suffice it to say. But it's very it's, subtle. Yeah, it's a subtle curve. But what happens is you're standing in the middle of the treadmill and nothing happens, doesn't move. And then you put your foot kind of on the front and you try to, it, it's a, there's an interesting thing where you're trying to find the place to put your foot where the weight that you're applying or the force that you're applying allows the thing to move. And you can feel like if I do it a little wrong, it just doesn't move at all. Um, I'm just kind of sticking my foot in front of me, nothing happens. And if I do it wrong in a different way, it kind of wants to move a little too fast. And very quickly, I mean, within just a couple of steps, yep. you sort of find the spot where if I run in that spot, it moves and it feels like I'm on a road. It feels like I'm running, running. It doesn't feel like I'm on a treadmill because the non-motorized part, you're the one making it move. So it's a little harder than actually running on the road because you're actually having to continue to get the thing moving a little bit. And it's different on the different treadmills. But the, suffice it to say, you find that sweet spot and then it allows you to go. But if you do it, if you're too far forward or too far back, tell me how you would describe what happens if you're not in that sweet spot. Well, it depends on, on what the, 
the deviation from yeah. healthy running is, right? right? So if you're overstriding, the only way to overstride and be able to keep the treadmill moving so that you're not staying at the back is to break at the waist. Interesting. So you have to make two compensations. So what, so what we see if people are making the, the true form move, mm-hmm. but they're not moving well, is typically they have a couple of compensations that offset each other. So if you're overstriding, then you have to bend at your waist because on the true form, you have to have your foot landing under your center of mass. Right. So if you want to overstride, you got to move. You got to lean. You got to go hang hang on over it. Right. And then and then people drag their foot back. Right. right. And then so you'll see some people who are upright and they they paw back yep. and but all of those things are hard. Right. So so it, it organically you just make the change. I don't right. have to sit there and tell you you know activate your you know your left glute and stand up straight. So some people that have those kind of problems maybe we'll stop them. Mm-hmm. And then have them do some activation and get back on, and then right. and then and then the problems resolve. So that's an interesting one. The number of times where <laughs> I do this thing that in today's climate could get me arrested, but the number of times I have said to someone, "Yeah, you're not actually using your glutes, so I want you to do something crazy. Uh, feel my ass." And I just say, stick your hand on my butt, and I want you to feel what it feels like when I take a stride. And they go, oh, my God. I go, yeah, yeah. now I want you to do the Found same that thing. activation. Yeah, yeah, it's like you got to f- feel that you can use it. Thankfully, my glutes are activated. I wasn't hold driving on, much. Wait, <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> so, so anyway, I mean, that, that you know, and, and, and they're really simple drills. I mean, the walking is actually much harder than running on the true form. So. Yeah. So you, you need to be balanced. You need to be upright. And, you, you know, you can your hands over your head if you do like an asymmetric load, grab a kettlebell mm-hmm. or a, an elastic band and attach the elastic band to the true form handrail and then just press it overhead. And that will – you have to – you oh, that's interesting. have to be activated. Oh, Otherwise, yeah, you're – Oh, cool. Wait, so, so what, are, what are the other things that you – like, you know, fun little – Tricks and games well, that you play on you know, two, two, two bands overhead, right? So you can, you know, you can, you can do planks, you can do, you know, all sorts of, you right. know, act, sort of activation stuff you can do. I saw you playing uh, before we started on, you know, doing some, some shuttles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, some, some side, side movements. Well, you can do karaoke if you're super. I did that. Well, one of the things that I did was just I put one. I stood on the edge and just used my my other yeah, foot skateboard. like I was on a skateboard, yep. which is a real great thing for getting glute activation and also for feeling where that. As foot long goes. as you're upright, right? Because as soon as people uh, yeah, bend yeah. over and do that, then right. then we we're, all we're activating is the hip. Well, and it's an interesting thing actually. I I have a collection of weird two. I think I was trying to think. Yeah, all two wheeled devices. Um, I don't have a regular bicycle. I have an elliptico, which is the dorkiest form of two wheeled devices. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a an elliptical bicycle and. And you look like a complete crazy person when you're on it. I love this thing. I adore it. The only thing that looks crazier is having more than one person, like two people riding ellipticos, then it's You bad. mean not on the same elliptical? No, no. Just yeah, two yeah. people next to each other. Yeah, it's like it's even yeah, dorkier. Yeah, it's yeah. way too dorky. And then I have a recumbent bike. Um, I got rid of one of my two-wheel th- Oh, actually, I had a three-wheel thing. It's a trike that just works from the way yeah. you move it. But then I've got a scooter that's two 26-inch wheels and a platform to stand on, and you just push. Mm-hmm. And it was fun because I got this thing around the time that we started Zero Shoes where I was just in a pair of do-it-yourself sandals. And it was really interesting discovering that if you do what most people think you want to do, reach out and pull the ground underneath you, doesn't work and ripped up the bottom of my sandal. And if you put your foot underneath your center of mass and use your glutes and push, then you get way more speed. And it's, oh, that's it's cool. I wouldn't easy. have thought that on a scooter. Oh yeah, it's a blast. Yeah, I, I, I always like 
cringe a little bit when we do because it, the scooter drill is like one of our drills, right? Oh, really? You know, from I like it's it. from Mark. I'm almost like I'm <laughs> thinking people are going to grab and paw. Well, but it, you can, but it just doesn't feel right. It's just not efficient. And when you get your foot underneath you, it's just really, really easy. And there's this little rhythm that you get okay. into doing it. And I had a, a blast. I mean, the, the the scooter it weighs like like 16 pounds. Oh. And so there's a couple of big hills that were by our old house, and I'd see guys on mountain bikes, and I'd be passing them going up the hill <laughs> as I'm just you know. And I'm sure they looked at me and it's like, oh, what a loser. Yeah. But going downhill was really fun too. 40 miles an hour on a scooter is a little hairy. Yeah. But sure. anyway, so, so, so. I'm trying to think if there's just anything else that, that you've discovered just about natural movement. Because I know for, for me and for almost everyone I know in this space, we got into it from some personal experience. We didn't necessarily have some massive background in biomechanics and kinematics and all these things, but you learn quickly because you're discovering it and meeting all these other interesting people. What else have you found from doing this that you didn't expect or that's been surprising? I think the most surprising thing for me is just how difficult the obvious is to translate to people, right? I mean, people yeah. are walking around Ursa, that trade show, yeah. going, oh, look at this, and oh, look at that. And you're going, are you, are you yeah. kidding me? Like, you're going to work out, like those people, first of all, that walk the trade show don't work out at all, right? They're fat, penny loafers, <laughs> and their big yeah. guts, right? Yeah. And But in high school, they were awesome. They weren't. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I would have known if they were. So, so they don't work out, right? right? But so they're buying for their clubs for people to work out, right? And these people are going into workout for two to three hours a week, right? They're giving their health two or three hours a week, which is more than I currently do. But I mean, but, you know, good for them. But still, it's, it's nothing. Hold on, wait. It's nothing. But I got to tell you, I want to do a video at some point. It's going to be like a commercial and it's going to start with a guy walking through an office saying, do you like overhead fluorescent lighting, Excel spreadsheets and sitting on your butt all day? If so, you're a perfect candidate for a job in the outdoor industry. Yeah, right, exactly. Right? <laughs> so, so, and then once a year, you can walk a trade show, right? Yeah, my 12 miles. And your in your shoes, yeah. right? Get your thousand steps in. Well, so it's fascinating to me that the people that are working out mm -hmm. and the people that are leading the industry don't want people mm -hmm. to make the best, most effective use of their three hours of time. And I, I had this discussion with a professional yeah. rugby team coach the other day, and he said, well, we don't like treadmills. And I'm standing there in his gym. I'm like, I, I, that's cool. Me either. I said, so, but I see that you have a bunch of watt bikes and you've got some rowers. Like, what do you do with those? Oh, well, we do cardio. I said, well, like as soon as your guys are playing rugby sitting down or, or sitting on their ass, then this will be a great use of their time. But if they're only going to run for 30 minutes a week, if they're only going to give you 30 minutes a week for right. cardio or, right. maybe three, or maybe 30 minutes a day, like you're going to have them do it sitting down and they're healthy? Like this is this does not this does not make any sense. Why wouldn't you want them to do it in an environment where they're challenged to be balanced, they're challenged to be to, well, to in, in, a, in a healthy position and do what and, they're doing for the sport. And do what they're yeah. doing for their sport or, yeah. or walking or like so so you're so you're sitting down in your cubicle with your fluorescent lights. We're replacing right? these. We're, we're gonna replace these with LCDs, by the way. All right. <laughs> so so you're sitting in your cubicle. And then you're going to go exercise and you're going to get on a machine that puts you in. Yeah, here I'm still yeah. in there. So I, that puts you into this position. Yeah. And you're going to do that for a period of time. Don't, wouldn't you want to be, you know, wouldn't you want to be, be offsetting all of that for your two to three hours a week? And that is the thing to me Here's, that is just, I, and I am so surprised by that. I'll explain it to you. It's really simple. So back in the 70s, 
market and, and before, marketing and advertising was much simpler. People, we, were much more willing to accept what we saw on television and what we heard from experts. And there were companies that were developing these products, including footwear, where they were just making it up. I mean, they were just making it up. And they came up with very clever stories where we would go, well, yeah, that clearly makes sense. It, it, it doesn't if you think about it. I mean, I'll use this, uh, an example from something recent because I can't think of a 40-year-old one or a 50-year-old one, but recently. So there's a company whose name I won't mention, but it rhymes with Bladidas. When they came out with their, I won't mention the product, but let's say that it's Bluest Foam. And when they came out with, so it's Adidas Boost Foam, if you didn't get that one. So the- Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was that too fast for you? So the example they give for how great the boost foam is, is they bounce a steel ball off the boost foam and they show how bouncy it is compared to, quote, the other guy's foam. Well, no other guy ever uses that foam. And who cares what a steel ball does? Because you're not a steel ball. But it looks good. And it's a very simple story. Well, the and other so, thing you see is the steel ball. I remember the ad. Yeah. The steel ball because it goes high each time. And I'm like, right. okay, so you right. so you were losing. Right. Like you were well, losing look, force. Like, yeah, why, yeah. Why, how is this an advertisement, I, I right? Know. How stupid well, is this? In, Bouncing on a piece of concrete. Let me see how high the steel ball grows. I know. In fact, I did something uh, when I was in Germany because there were some guys from Adidas up there. And I said, want to see something cool? I don't have any boost foam. And I started jumping up and down. I said, <laughs> I, can, I can do this for like an hour. <laughs> Same height every time. But uh, the point is that, that these companies that we know now as these multi-billion dollar companies, they really got their stride. They really started building. I mean, Adidas and Puma, they've been around for a long time. Nike came onto the scene. Under Armour's come onto the scene more recently. Suffice it to say, they built these very big things. And they can't lose what they built. And we've had the CEOs of some major footwear brands say directly to people that we know, that natural movement thing is real, but we can't do it because it would be admitting that what we're doing over here is completely bullshit. I was an individual sport athlete. You were a team athlete, mostly. Mostly, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't know where... Competitively. I a, yeah, I don't have a theory about this. But for me, I don't know which came first, but my individual athlete mentality is best thing wins. Best man wins, best woman wins, best whatever it is, best thing wins. When it comes to business, that is far from the case. And so when someone has built a big monolithic structure doing a thing and they find out or some upstart comes up and shows that what they're doing isn't right, amazingly, they don't go, oh, my God, thank you for telling me that. We're going to spin on a dime or whatever that metaphor would be or analogy is, mm -hmm. turn everything around and do the right thing. They, What they do instead is try to protect what they have. They try to do everything they can to keep the status quo that they created because that's how they're making all their money and paying all their people and doing all they do. And to a certain extent, I understand that. It makes sense. It's just completely absurd because it's not doing what's best for their customers, for the planet, for everybody. And that's the part that, again, it amazes me and infuriates me, and I totally understand it. And my goal is to try to pull the rug out from underneath the whole thing. You know, if my goal is not to make zero shoes the next $2 billion company. That would be a blast. I'm not saying I don't want to do that. But if what happens is everyone started copying what we're doing and just started making natural movement footwear so that people would have the benefits and fun of doing that, then I've won. I mean, I'm okay either way. I'm trying to make natural movement a thing. And if we're the company that's associated with that and benefits from that and spearheads that, that's how, awesome. How do you feel about when you've done that work yeah. as we have yeah. in terms of creating an environment that people can naturally run in and actually improve how, how they would run naturally. Yeah. 
having imitators come in and say, we're the same as that. And they're not. And except we're cheaper or we're right. this or we're that. And they're not. Yeah. And they don't get it. And, you know, their curve, you know, for instance, in our, and, and it's all about the curve, is three times steeper than ours. Right. You get on, you're running like a lunatic and you're on another stupid exercise machine. Right. And they're saying, you know, hey, it's check out. And, and because they put runner in their name or they put form in their name or yeah. they put skill in their name. That somehow, for example, for example, just, you know, hypothetically, <laughs> something that rhymes with so, <laughs> so that they put this stuff in their name and then they yeah. say that they're same as true form or they get, they get somebody that was once a spokesperson for you and they, and they pay them or they, whatever. And it just pisses me off. I don't say, feel you know, like I want, I feel like I want to go say, over it. Do you want me crush. to answer or do you want me to let you keep venting? <laughs> no. So, <laughs> winning for me would be going squeezing their little heads and having their brains <laughs> pop out of their ears. That's winning. So I kind of go both ways on this. I like to say I'm not competitive. I just want to beat everyone who's my competition. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm only half glib when I say that because to a certain extent, I don't want to be paying unnecessary attention to them. I want to do the thing that's right for us. We've had that situation where people have, I mean, my gosh, there was a company, their origin story was that they were trying to find a minimalist sandal, but they couldn't find anything that worked for them. So they invented this and it was my design. <laughs> and I have, you know, it's funny. I watched a thing on YouTube the Hollywood Reporter is doing these these roundtable sessions with a bunch of actors. I don't know if they've done it with writers. I've only seen different kinds of actors. And Jim Carrey was on one with Sasha Baron Cohen. Sasha Baron Cohen, a.k.a. Ali G, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. Borat. And Jim said something that was really interesting. He said, when I saw what you were doing, I was so amazed and so jealous because it was so incredible what you were doing. I realized I had two choices. I could just be furious or I could become a giant fan. And I decided to do that one. Yeah. And so with what's happening with us, I, when I was just in Germany, I saw some Korean company and a Chinese company trying to do a version of what we're doing more. They were really trying to do their version of what Merrill was doing, but it was a little, frankly, I think better than what Merrill was doing and a little closer to what we were, what we were doing. And at this point, it made me really happy because we're trying to get more attention and awareness for what we're doing. And if someone else comes on board and starts to do something similar, it gives some validation to yep. what we're doing. So I'm all for, sure. for that. Now, one of these, a couple of these companies, they're selling a product that doesn't last very long. It's not very well made. That doesn't have the same benefits that we do. They are claiming the same thing and they sell them for much less money. It's undeniably cost me money this year. We've lost sales on certain places, but you know, I mean, what are you going to do is the simple thing. So I had actually a major company take a bunch of my trademarks. I walked into a trade show and all over their booth was things that I invented that I had trademarks for. That that one, I actually was the, the most expensive lesson I learned about business is I basically got them to stop using the trademark before they had brought product into America and started selling it. And so it, they, they sent me a kind of whiny letter saying, we spent $7 million to try and redo everything. And I yeah. said, well, I don't really care. You could have owned the trademark in my whole company for $5 million. Yeah. So st stop, your, <laughs> stop your whining. But the biggest mistake was had I waited until all the product was here and they were mm -hmm. selling it, the value of that case would have been about – $350 million. So I guess the, this is just my venting. The, the simple answer is sometimes it's really annoying because not because they're copying what we're doing and 
making claims that aren't valid. That part, I, I understand why they're doing it again. I get it. Mm-hmm. What's upsetting to me is that it's confusing people. And it's making it so that someone is going to get that product because it's from a bigger, more famous company with more distribution. And they're going to think that they're ex- having the same experience. The they same benefits. Have, right. Well, the same experience they'd have yeah. in our shoes or even just barefoot. The number of people that I've met who say that they're barefoot runners who've never had their bare skin touch the ground is very high. And the difference between that and wearing zero shoes is it's a difference. Mm-hmm. The difference between wearing zero shoes and wearing a Merrill trail glove or a New Balance Minimus. It's, it's a significant difference. And I, I don't like it when people make money by lying to other people. So that's the part that upsets me. It's my kind of, you know, quixotic tilting at windmills because there's nothing I'm going to be able to do to ever stop people from doing that. When the people want to follow, I mean, you know, more, more the issue on our standpoint, they need to make very little claim or claims yeah. with respect to what they accomplish. Whereas we feel, I guess I feel like we have to validate everything and, and I'm sure. It's Absolutely. an exercise in futility, but well, they, they they say very little. Like they, like I said, they just put they put something in their name that yeah, infers that you're getting better. Oh, look, and then but then the people follow. I mean, they're they're like I, I they're just sheep's and they, and they just go oh, but here's, oh uh, look at me, I'm true form running. They're on something that could not be farther from a true form, other than that it's curved and non-motorized, right? And they've got some dumb shoe and they're running like, you know, they're running in a horrible form, yes. and it, and and they're hashtag true form running. So speaking of which, what shoes are you wearing? I have, I have on uh, what are these the Prius Prio Prio yeah okay Prius uh, is the sh- is Prius the car, is the car. Yeah. yeah you're big enough to wear a Prius yeah. but uh, that would be tricky but I think the answer to your question is that for me I go through <laughs> let me describe it this way someone asked me how you become successful in business I go well I went to film school I got a master's in film and one of my teachers is the director Milos Forman someone asked Milos once how do you make a good movie. And he says, well, you know, 90% of making movie is casting and the other 10% is casting. And so I say for business, it's 90% luck and the other 10% is luck. But then there's a whole other 100% where 90% of that is working your butt off. And the other 10% is hopefully being smart enough that you know how to fix the things that are broken today that were working perfectly yesterday. So when something is in that 10%, where something is just, you know, breaks out of nowhere, some crazy thing happens, my MO is that I rant and, you know, run around and get all upset. And then some number of minutes or hours, depending on what it is later, I, you know, get into solution mode. For what we're talking about, I get into the ranty thing for a little while. And the solution is, frankly, things like this. It's how do we have this conversation so that we can educate people about what reality looks like, so that they can find out what the distinction really is, so they can have the experience of knowing what the difference is. Because, I, I, again, it's maybe it's my individual sport mentality, but I really do believe that the truth should and often does win overall. And if not, you know, if some marketing whatever budget from some other company is the thing that's going to dominate it, I'm just not going to beat myself up Well, you can't control that. that. I mean, I think yeah. that's that, – when I get angry about it, yeah. I think, what can I do about it, right? Because yeah. you can't, you know, it's going to squash your heads like grapes, no. right? So, so shouldn't <laughs> very, Lord of the, very Lord of the Flies. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, I think, you know, like, okay, what what can I control today, yeah. right? And and for us, you know, typically it's it's just been staying on message, right? So, yeah. and, and hopefully, you know, that the masses will follow the tip we'll of the spear. Out. Because, I mean, it, like I said, my Rolodex, I mean, for a guy who, you know, has been a contractor most of his life or a farm, a grape farmer. My Rolodex in the fitness industry right now is insane. Crazy. And it's, and it's just because we've been on message and yeah. people like it, right? Well, and I think yeah, the only thing you can do is educate. 
And unfortunately, education is expensive. And in fact, when you are successful at educating, then it's inevitable that someone is going to come along and literally do exactly what you do and do it correctly and do it well and maybe even better because by that time, you know, you've gotten, and I'm not speaking about you, I'm speaking about, I'm thinking about our business, previous business I've been in, where you're busy doing the things that you need to do to run your business. Maybe there's something on your to-do list that you're not going to be able to get to for a year and they can do it now. So it's inevitable that the number two guy is coming in with some advantage. And I'm not even saying that the guys that you're competing with now are number two. I'm saying that as you get better, I mean, there's going to be other opportunities. There are billion dollar companies, hundred billion dollar companies that, yeah. you know, just spinning out a product, right? Yeah. That- it's an interesting thing. If I, I'm thinking about the computer world, so Lotus came out with their spreadsheet one, two, three, then Borland copied it and Borland did better than Lotus because they were able to do things like that. Windows was not the first operating system. I mean, the, the number, right. this is just an interesting thing to ponder. And I don't know what that means in terms of running a business and trying to circumvent that process. I think there's a way of doing it. I think velocity is an important thing. I think whatever you can do to capitalize or accelerate the way you are telling that message is one of the solutions. I don't know how one would do that. Again, this is a small thing of, of talking to the people who are able to participate with this podcast. There are some ways of doing it that are being, require spending a lot of money, some that are more guerrilla. But I think that's the only way is staying on message, having a real message, being able to let people experience the difference and finding the way to just accelerate the dissemination of that message. Man, that was like an SAT phrase. <laughs> that was really, I, feel, I feel really smart when I said that. So, I mean, but suffice it to say, that's what you and I are both trying to do. And it's one of the reasons that I adore you guys and what you're doing and want to help. Because I do believe that what you're doing is the real deal and people need to hear about it and need to have that experience and more get the benefits thereof. Because that's what this is really all about. The whole natural movement thing from my perspective is getting people to re-experience that thing that we all had, that we all knew at some point, that we lost for various reasons, and it's never too late to get it back. And, you know, what we're doing is providing the tools for people to do that. Yeah, obviously, agree, agree, and agree. So. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can't think of anything to say to follow that. And yeah. I can usually think of anything to say. So why don't we uh, call it a day on that one, Sounds shall great. we? Yeah. Obviously, if you want to find out more about a true form treadmill, go to trueformrunner.com T-R-U-E-F-O-R-M runner.com We'll post links for that in various places. And again, I want to thank you for being part of the Movement Movement and the Movement Movement Podcast. If you don't remember, you can go to www, as many W's as you want, I don't really care, dot join the or movement. None. Uh, or none. You yeah, don't even yeah, actually yeah. need any. Just But that way people know it's a website. I don't know. And, <laughs> you know, I like when people say, uh, go to this website. It's all one word. Of course it's all one word. Anyway, so join the movement movement.com where you can find out where you can find us on iTunes and well, pretty much everywhere. Find our Facebook page and our YouTube channel and our Instagram and our wherever else podcasts are sold. And don't forget to like and subscribe and share and review and all those things you know how to do. As I love to say, if you want to be part of the tribe, please subscribe. It's been a pleasure having you here. And as always, live life feet first. You've been listening to the Movement Movement Podcast with host Stephen Sashin. Remember to join the tribe and subscribe at jointhemovementmovement.com.